the church at its best is about community. The church at its worst is about control. It's a red flag. A lot of times we judge ourselves based on intent and we judge others based on impact. Yeah, you texting crazy and they texting the same and you like, bitch, what the fuck you just say to me? But yeah. you're texting the same way. Exactly. You got the same energy. I've had so many breakups and I read my text back and I was like, yo, I sound insane. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm ending every sentence with a period. I'm using like just aggressive punctuation and shit. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not screaming. I'm never like, you know, full caps exclamation point, but I'm just like, it's way too terse. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. That's fine. Like good enough. Like that kind of stuff in response to the other person. <laughs> I'm enough. like, good enough. is crazy. <laughs> Good enough is crazy. Yeah. Good enough is crazy. <laughs> Eddie, how was the food last night? Good enough. <laughs> you know, like, like, <laughs> <the> <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> it's wild. So I've had to work on that. You know what I'm saying? I've had to, you know, <laughs> got to soften it and be like, oh, you know, you got to lie. You got to lie in text messages. That's really what you got to do. To be a good person, you got to lie more, I think. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You got to translate yeah, whatever, whatever's going on in your head, you got to lie to make it what you need the other person to think because that's low-key what communication is it's not Christian saying about what you put think. that in a sermon again. I, like, you know. I want to tell you how to lie more this this week i need to tell some more lies so right. keep a healthy relationship right. god told me to tell y'all that you just needed to lie more god um, put it on my heart welcome everybody to waving the red flag the number one dating theology and dishonesty podcast in the universe. It's your boy Eddie. It's Josh. It's Alvin. Joined today by the good pastor Christian A. Smith. What's good? Oh. Thank you for <laughs> What's Ooh, going that on? That was good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always concerned when I'm introduced as a pastor because I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> oh. People gonna have some expectations, and I'm not gonna live up to them. But let's go. <laughs> That's good. I mean, that's probably that's probably the good thing because I I mean from from having spoken to you and seen your content, it seems like part of your work is trying to adjust, redefine, question those expectations. Is that kind of part of the brand? Absolutely. You know, a big yeah. part of my brand is being disruptive. Mm. So, like I I I was, you know, called to do a ministry for the people on the margins. Mm. And they're on the margins because the church has marginalized them. So in order for me to get the attention of the people on the margins, I got to talk in a way that's different from the church that marginalized them. And I got to be loud about it because too frequently there are people who think and believe the same way that I do, but they won't be loud about it because it's not good for the brand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I took the approach that was like, no, nah, I'm gonna just go ahead and just say what I feel. Cause I, got, I already got deplatformed, I already got canceled one time before. Really? When I yeah, when I shifted in my theology, when I evolved from the rule keeping theology that I was raised in and started to explore something different, something more inclusive, something more authentic. And I started sharing that publicly and asking questions that my faith tradition told me I wasn't allowed to ask. Oh, I got canceled. I have I had a little itinerary back in like uh between like 2010 and 2013. I had a little itinerary as a preacher. And then I went to seminary and started asking questions and picking holes and stuff that just didn't make sense. And I got disinvited from it's so many churches. It's so many. It's so many plot holes. And just yeah. to go back to what you were saying earlier about um, breaking that mold or like breaking that, the, the, the expectations that's placed upon a pastor. I feel like 
it's not realistic and it breeds hypocrisy. Absolutely. Because uh, the pastor is just a, a, a regular ass human being, just like everybody else. But they're put in this role, either one trying to act like they're holier than thou and living up to all these grandiose uh, expectations and all this holiness and righteousness at all times. And nobody can do that. And then the people are looking at you as somebody who's not trying to do that, who's being like, I'm a real human being. I'm on I'm foot to foot with you, giving you a good message. But then they'll look at you. And then, oh, well, he might not be holy enough. We, we was joking about it earlier, but they might look at you and say, oh, no, he's he's not devout enough. Like, he's not, he not lying to us. Like, yeah, he's not yeah. lying to us and portraying this image that he can't even keep up with or she can't even keep up with. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle, too, because because the, the pulpit and the pew are both responsible. Right. It starts in the pulpit where, you know, we espouse certain doctrines and certain ideologies that you know may or may not be healthy and then the people internalize that and they hold the pulpit to the standard that we set that we can't keep up with either but we keep preaching it and then telling them they got to do it and they can't do it either but they holding us accountable to what we preaching even though we can't do it so we keep mm -hmm. preaching it and they keep holding us accountable and we keep holding them accountable and, and preaching it, it. when well, ain't none of us really doing it just double checking because it's been and I apologize, Pastor, but it's been a while since I've been in church. So which which one is the pulpit and which one is the pew? Is that where is the pulpit where the the people the audience is and the pew is where the the <laughs> the, pul the pulpit is like a platform. Yeah, the pulpit is the platform okay. where the preacher stands, and the pews okay. is the pews where people sit, the chairs. Okay, I had it backwards. Okay, cool, gotcha. This pews nigga didn't even okay, bother cool. to read some like didn't do a keyword search for like shit before you had a pastor on here. I love it. I will. Hey, like, look, man. I was so raised in the church. Is, it's been a while, but you know what I'm saying. I know the. I know the. The, the cliff notes. You clearly don't. You clearly don't, nigga. Get it. Get, get, you just <laughs> yeah, lie. You're right. You're right. You're right. But you know what? It's a lot of. It's a lot of people who are not involved in the church at all listening to this. So I'm the Watson. You know what I'm saying? I'm, they, so what you? So what? That's you for the audience. Said, <laughs> what you should have said was. I should have put, put, put it on them. For the listeners out there. For the listeners out there. Pastor, can you explain? Instead of make myself like a dumbass, I should have said. No, no, no. So you know, some of our listeners might, you know. That's exactly what we were just talking about. No, no, fuck that. Don't you set no improper expectations on yourself. Right? You let them know that you you let I'm them know that you don't know shit about the church, Because <laughs> yeah. I don't either. Just trying to figure it out. Shit. It's somebody like that in my church who um he wasn't raised in church, but he's found a home with us. But like we a bunch of church kids, like born and raised in church. So y'all using code a, language and he don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah. We got a certain lexicon that we don't even realize because we were born in it. It's just like words that we've always used. And we'll say stuff around him and he'll be like, So what does that mean? And I'll be like, Oh yeah. Like <laughs> who, never... who is that? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I can see yeah, it. It's kind of... So when you when you kind of got that like cancellation and that pushback from the kind of like traditional or, or the powerful institutions of the church when you started pushing back against some of those rules, which I'm assuming had to do with like not just judgment, but also maybe inclusivity Absolutely. and you got disinvited. Did that start attracting new groups of people? I mean, you said you said marginalized people, but I'm kind of wondering who are the people that you found like really found themselves attracted to you and started going like, I needed this message and you're the first pastor that I've seen that didn't make me feel fearful for my emotional safety. Yeah, absolutely. So the pillars of, of my ministry are anti-racism, LGBTQ plus inclusion, women's equity and Bible criticism. Mm. So the two that get people the most 
is LGBTQ plus inclusion and Bible criticism because Western Christianity is built around the idea of the Bible being perfect beyond question, beyond critique, mm. which is just a, a horrible way to look at it because the Bible has always been subject to critique since it was created. And then, of course, the people and in the Bible change, didn't have yeah. a Bible. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, that's there's a good so ass many. point. <laughs> that's yeah, a the good people ass in the Bible point. didn't have a Bible. <laughs> so that's, yeah, like they, hold on. And then they couldn't read. So even if there was a Bible, literacy wasn't a thing in those days. Mm. Only mm. certain people could read. So, you know, a lot of times we're born into a belief system and we never interrogated to see what was going on before these beliefs became mainstream. And then we assume this is the only way it's ever been done. Mm. When in reality, we're just one blimp in, in the history of humanity, in the history of a faith tradition. And that everything evolves, theology evolves, religion evolves, spirituality evolves. There are some principles that remain constant, but everything evolves. But we're born into a space. I mean, think about it. When we was growing up, I don't know if y'all remember, but there was like this huge um, controversy about uh, schools teaching evolution. Like the church was like mm -hmm. so upset. There was. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Is that is that yeah. still a, is that still an issue or are we good on that one now? In some states, it depends. It, it depends on the state. Okay. At this point, Arkansas, so Texas, Louisiana. Behind. Yeah. Yeah. Evolution. Yeah. I mean, I still see signs. So I live in Georgia. So whenever I drive to Florida, you know, you go through these like r rural conservative areas where they got billboards like saying, we didn't come from monkeys. In the beginning, God created. It's like, you dumbass. Yeah. Like, that's not oh, even what <laughs> that, that's thinking, a, that ain't even how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how it works. Like the whole story is an allegory. It's a it's an imagination. It's 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 a, an imagination of how everything came to be. Right. Like when you look at the story of Adam and Eve, who was there to chronicle that shit? God. Mm. And then how did that get written down? Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Via the prophets, Eddie. <laughs> mm. Exactly. That came Capitalism. hundreds of thousands of it's years It's always about profits. Yeah. <laughs> it's an imagination. Yeah. Right. yeah, it's an imaginative expression of, of what happened. It's a, it's an origin story of a people and origin so stories are like folklore. Right. That are meant to, to convey a concept rather than a, a literal natural exactly. history. Interesting. And right. when you're taught that the, 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 the literal nature of it is what's most important, you miss the power in the message because you're constantly arguing whether or not it's literal. Right. But Instead a, a story doesn't what happen. are we trying to actually be told here? Right. We miss exactly. the point. It don't matter if it actually happened or not. It's about the message that you should be receiving for your own life to be a better person. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like there, there's power in the story of the boy that cried wolf. But that's folklore. True. That you know that what I'm saying. Like, but that, yeah. But but when you tell the story, everybody it actually holds weight. Yeah. 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 And I I look at the Bible the same way. Whether it happened or not. What's the message that is being conveyed here? Have you and, found? Sorry, sorry, my fault. No, sometimes it's a positive message. Sometimes it's a negative one. Yeah. Have you found so? So like that that process of like trying to evolve with uh, the 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 forefront of scientific discovery of as we learn new things about the world and then have to kind of like reconcile that with religious understanding and stuff like that. Has that has that been difficult for you personally or do you see that being a challenge for other people in the church to kind of figure out a way to 
have religious faith, but then also deal with science and new discoveries and evolving technology and shit like that? Yeah, it depends on the context. Like in other spaces that I've occupied in the past, yeah, you know, it was difficult for people because of how we've been like theologically conditioned. But in the communities that I've curated, the Holy Smokes, Gods, and Spirituality, the faith community, mm-hmm. like these spaces that I've curated, now that's common. Like we we embrace science and spirituality, and we don't think they're at mm-hmm. odds with each other, but we think they actually, uh, you know, correlate in a lot of ways. Right. So I, I remember growing up when the evolution issue was like a really big deal. And, you know, it was in the news and people were campaigning and Bill all of this Mar stuff. was making documentaries. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I remember. So my dad was my pastor. I'm a fifth generation preacher. So I'm a preacher's kid. And I remember hearing my dad um, in the office talking to somebody else. But I was in earshot and they were talking about the whole evolution controversy. And my dad was like my dad's from the Mississippi Delta. So he had this southern drawl. He was like, well, shoot, when it come to creation, I don't care if it was evolution or Big Bang or whatever. I just believe God did it. Hmm. Right. And and that helped settle me because it was like, yeah, why does it matter? You know, so I took my cue from him, which is why I'm grateful for him, because he wasn't like hung up on all of the rigid rule keeping ideas i mean he had his blind spots we all do we we sitting here talking right now as expanded as we are in our consciousness we got blind spots i (laughs) some some folks do again i don't i know i done seen everything that can be seen that's me (laughs) (laughs) i know about the pew and the pulpit all that shit i know what's going on (laughs) he's presenting that as a joke he's presenting that as a joke but that's actually how he feels he's actually really believes it He really believes that right. he doesn't have a, a blind spot. You know, he's just. Going, say, I know everything you know from Alpha in between the Omega. I promise. Yeah. You. It's a number between seven and eight that don't, y'all don't know about, but I know about it. I believe it's right there. There's lots of numbers between seven and eight, motherfucker. Like See, Alvin actually, Alvin actually point? doesn't have blind spots. That's that's the difference between me and him. He actually does know everything that's going on. I just that think is I do. False. No, he just he's he does believe it. He just he already made that joke that I believe it. So he had to lie like he don't think it too. He does. He's try, trying to throw us off the scent. He's trying to throw mm. us off. No, that's false. I actually have a very healthy understanding of my own limitations. No, you don't, Alvin. No, you don't. Come on, man. We <laughs> all know does it. sound like something. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's true. It sounds like something I'm saying because it's true. <laughs> I say true shit. I ain't never lied. <laughs> That's the AB brand. <laughs> um, y'all want to do a little, a little silly, uh, you know, shade room type, uh, type look over, real quick. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. I was actually Just... really getting into um, the 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 theologian okay. conversations at this point. I don't know yeah. if I can go back. I don't know if I can even. That's a fair play, point. Like, That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> well, okay. Well, can we? Can we? Because there was something I did want to say too. If I would have found Chris, if I would have found somebody like you a lot earlier on in life, I would have been a lot more comfortable and accepting of Christianity and religion. Because everything, like I've always been like a very just aware person, and stuff about it just never sat right with me about it. But mm-hmm. my mom taught me how to pray, so I've always had my own personal relationship with God, or just with the Most High, and. I feel, and this is something that I feel, like an actual feeling within my own self that I can feel. So I know it's real. But when I'm looking at the church as a construct and just the 
your church as a construct, religion as a construct, like it's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. It's a lot of inbred hate within this system that's not holy, that's not godlike, and then they, it's a you know a whole bunch of contradictions. Da 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 da. da. So I just mm -hmm. really appreciate somebody like you who cuts through a lot of that BS and can bridge the gap and just say, hey, no, like we all we don't have all the answers, but you know this uh, spirituality. God, like, you know, these things do exist, and um, I'm here to communicate this message in, like, a way that actually does make sense, and that's not contradictory, because we all have, like, you know, like, the good and the bad, like, nothing is 100% anything, and yeah. nothing goes without question. Like, we should yeah. be questioning things, you know what I mean? So, I think that's, like, really dope. Yeah, I appreciate that. I get that, I get that uh, way more than I care to acknowledge right like a lot of people tell me man and i met you years ago i probably would have never left the faith that's i get a lot of um commentary from like atheists and agnostics who were once a part of church and then just couldn't take the hypocrisy uh couldn't take the the suppression uh couldn't take the manipulation and just said i'm done with it because they didn't see an, ex an expression of it that was healthy in their mind and then they've come across me and I just talk regular. I just say, look, that don't make no damn sense. And, you know, it's, it's OK. Like, we don't have to subscribe to that. And they're like, wait a minute. Somebody somebody's talking in a way that resonates with me, but they're coming from the church. It really leads to a lot of cognitive dissonance with people because they don't expect that from me. Right. Cis, cisgender, heterosexual, black male pastor. <laughs> like they, they just don't expect me to talk like that. Um, so that actually happens a lot. And the reality is the church at its best is about community. The church at its worst is about control. And unfortunately, we've only seen the worst expressions of church in a lot of times where it's about how to control people's movements, how to control mm -hmm. how they see the world, how to control how they move about the world. So a lot of people struggle, you know, with their spirituality and especially black folk. Like we come from a spiritual people. So I know, you know, I'm talking generally here, like not every black person is hella spiritual, but generally speaking, you know, more times than not, we are spiritual people mm -hmm. because that's where we come from. So even when we don't want to deal with the institution, a lot of times there's still a, a part of our spirituality that we hold on to. Like you said, your mom taught you how to pray. So there's something in you, you know, like that still functions you you just do it detached from community because you've never experienced a healthy expression of a community of faith. And, and that's sad because anything that you're passionate about, anything that you dedicate yourself to in any way, it's helpful to have community around that thing. Mm. Right. Podcasters have community. I'm also a, I'm also a clothier. There are communities for clothiers. There are communities for education professionals. There are communities for everything. There's communities for people who are doing weight loss together because being in community with people actually enhances the experience. But when the community is unhealthy, you're just better doing it by yourself. Mm. And, and for the people out there, for the people out there, what's a clothier? Oh, I make I make clothes. I'm, clothes. I'm a custom ah, clothing. Ah, okay. Yeah, sorry Fantastic. about that. Yeah, so yeah. I make I make custom suits, custom shirts, custom shoes, like everything from the neck down to the ground, basically. A stripper yeah. strips a clothier clothes, basically. Ah, that type. Of, you see him? Yeah, the, uh, yeah I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. one yeah. one takes yeah. it off, one makes it and puts it on. Gotcha. Puts it on. There so, you go. Exactly. Love off it. and on. That's what we do. Yes. Yes. Um, and now I, and now Eddie's and now Eddie's gonna like switch focus from like all of that or like real deep conversation to us talking about. Is it okay to split rent? 
Let's go. That's what I'm saying. That's what we got. That's what we got to talk about. Is is Tyrese tripping or not? No, actually, I was going. I was. I wasn't about to do that. <laughs> Yo, that's a crazy segment. Yo, I'm ready to go wherever you want to go. Okay. We can. No, I want to see him like put the theological uh, perspective on top of whether or not Tyrese is tripping. Okay. But before before that, my question or my statement or whatever just was about community because I I feel like it seems that a lot of people are lacking community recently like a lot of, of what we talk about on this podcast is loneliness loneliness that people in general are experiencing loneliness that men specifically are experiencing etc cetera, etc cetera. and it seems like the church historically provided that element of community but for several reasons people have distanced themselves from the church for good reason for all of the reasons that you kind of like talked about so yeah. i guess i'm curious if your your view on on the purpose that church has like as a space for people to feel not alone, as a place for them to go when they're having difficult times, for them to to get social needs met, to have a third space, a place to fall back on when other elements of the system fail them, their their job, their personal relationships, all of that. There's this other institution that you're a part of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think at its best, what I try to provide for people in in our digital communities, because like I said, the faith community is a is a digital church. It's a it's a mm. virtual community of faith. So I just try to provide spaces where people can show up and just be, mm. like it's it's not tied to a performance. You, you if you come with doubts, bring the doubts. If you come with questions, bring questions. If you come with curiosity, bring your curiosity. Bring your sexuality. Bring your gender expression. Uh, bring your socioeconomic status, whatever that is, bring that. And then we have like one key rule in the ministry, which is that we respect and honor each other's lived experiences. So in our community, when you encounter somebody whose lived experience contradicts your theory, you take that as an opportunity to learn from what that person has lived rather than trying to impose your theory onto their lived experience. And that has proved to be very helpful because it's challenged all of us at some point. Like you don't, you don't come into our space and not get challenged at some point. I don't care who you are. I get challenged every day and I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm, I'm the leader of the space, but like I'm challenged all the time to continue to expand because my lived experience is my own and I see the world through a certain lens but then when I encounter somebody else, right, like an example is when I was in seminary, I went to McAfee School of Theology at Mercer University, the Atlanta campus. Mm. And my Old Testament professor was taking us through this uh, story. It's a very popular story in the Old Testament. The book of Joshua is about the Battle of Jericho, where the children of Israel were coming out of 400 years of bondage in Egypt. And as they came out of bondage, they went into this land that they called the promised land, right? Canaan. They was going into the promised land to get all of their stuff back. Now, granted, they have been in bondage for 400 years. And the, the scholarship suggests they never actually occupied this land that they called the promised land. So they were really going in, invading land that really didn't belong to them. But the story is told through the perspective of the victors. So you get they get to this city called Jericho that was surrounded by a wall and the way the story is told the Israelites marched around the wall and then they shouted and then the walls came tumbling down and they went in and they killed everybody and all the Christians celebrate look at that God gave us the victory if God can do it for them then God mm. can do it for us too right <clears throat> but 
and and when you're born in that, and that's the only way you've heard the that story. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But then my Old Testament professor Dave Garber, he gave us this article in class about the same story, mm. and the person who wrote the article was indigenous, and they said whenever I read this story. I identify with the citizens of Jericho inside the walls because I know what it's like to have invaders come into my land and commit genocide against my people and push the rest of us to the margins. Mm. And when I when I read that perspective of that story, I was like, oh, shit. They got a point <laughs> committing atrocities in the name of God. Just and like crazy. we glorify it and that like. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, bro. That's the that's that's the name of the game because it. I mean, religion seems like a like religion has. I I I'm an atheist, but I do think that religion has a power to be a, a very positive uniting force for people. But for situations like that, it also seems like it's this double edged sword where it's like it can let people rationalize crazy shit. Like where it's like, yo, this was a genocide. And it lets you believe that somehow it was actually like a righteous victory. If you go, well, God chose, God is the one who told us that we were the chosen victors in this situation. And that can be, yeah, be dangerous for how you treat others. Yeah. But if you were to contextualize it for today, it was basically a holy jihad. Now you right. say that exactly. in today's yeah. context, like, oh my God, terrorism. Like, but yeah. we celebrating the same shit in the Bible. Cause it's a different, you know, it's a different flavor to the God. And it's like, yeah. you know. Man, yeah, I heard yeah. something really good from Sasha Baron Cohen today. And um, he basically summed that story, summed, summed his story up of what he was uh, talking about was if you can make people, if you can make people leave obscenities, you can make them commit atrocities. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't want to quote, uh, like I've, I've heard the quote of like it requires yeah, sometimes it requires religion or, or of a certain brand to convince people of th to do things that are immoral, but convince them that they're not just neutral things, but actually convince them that they're righteous things. Yeah. And when you put God on it, then mm -hmm. that justifies everything. And you can't question anymore. Yeah. So you can't have a conversation about morality anymore because, oh, God said we got to these aren't people. These are infidels. These are invaders. These are, you know, occupiers of the Holy Land. We got to get rid of these. These aren't exactly. even human. Um, so, yeah, I, I, re I really love the idea of, of what you're talking about, of being able to, one, accept all human beings as human beings is where they come from and being open to questioning so that you're never in a place where you're like just using it as a tool of control. Like you said, it's about community rather than control. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. And, and it, it's difficult for people who come into our space because they're so used to being controlled that I've had a number of people tell me, like, I just been waiting for the ball to drop. It's like this 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 space is too good to be true. Right. They're waiting for you to turn on the Scientology yeah. and pull out the just the yeah. yeah. Like oh, actually, for the bait we're and switch. Here, here's hell. Actually, here's it's a cult. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Dude, I'm, I've been I'm, accused a, I'm a really different kind of pastor. Right. <laughs> I've been accused of being a cult leader so many times. I actually made content about it on TikTok. That's like, why. Because because what happens is when we see something different that we can't easily define we just immediately go to cult mm. right but but Not, one, one, of, yeah, true. one of the aspects of cult of cults is that uh, they take away your autonomy 
they take away your agency to, to make your own decisions. Like the, the cult makes a decision for you. Siphon Even money they, off of you, isolate you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like they get you on a compound. Like my wife grew up in a cult like <laughs> yeah. faith tradition where right. they didn't have a physical compound. They had a social compound. To keep so, you isolated from other people and stuff like that. Like the Yes. They tell you only the people in in this denomination are people of God. Everybody else is the enemy. Don't so don't fraternize. Them, don't, yeah. Don't I'm go gonna, to the I'm movies. Gonna, I'm gonna yeah. ask. I'm gonna ask, and we can cut this out. But I'm asking from a place of of love because I I relate. Well, she's Jehovah's Witness. Nah, she was a church. Of I God said Jehovah's under my breath too, and I was like, "Wait, maybe I shouldn't have said that." Maybe <laughs> and I'm, that was and crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm only saying that. I'm, I, I only put that out there just because I know about that explicitly from experience, just based on family background. But continue. I'm sorry to nah, be real. Watched out, always real. Yeah, I just yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely define Jehovah's Witness as a cult. No doubt. Okay, there we go. No Wait, elephant out of the room. Cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like they, they control all your movements. Any, any religious organization that will force you to choose the organization over your own family is a Wild. cult. Yeah, that's a very clean and clear definition. There's, there's no two ways about it. There's no if that's what's yeah. happening, that's a cult. I mostly feel like that's what a lot of religion does anyway, because yeah. they actively it's big bank, little bank shit, to be fair. Yeah, because yeah, they, they this it's always everything. God comes comes before everything, even in an esoteric sense, because like the pastors, some I've seen pastors like have sermons where they saying like how they put God over their wife or over their family and like make it like a. a an allegory or something like that just to deliver a message but i feel like that's that that's the kind of programming for control mm -hmm. and that's and just that's another reason that I, I don't know why i fuck with you heavy like you know what i'm saying just in this conversation like the first five minutes of when you started talking i was you you make sense you know what <laughs> i mean what because, I <laughs> yeah, it so, shouldn't be that rare that's crazy but yeah. right like you it's, it's sound, someone sounds sane coming from yeah. the church you know what i mean so yeah it's unfortunate that's so uncommon. Yeah, it's it's yeah. very unfortunate, but it's the reality. Um, when you when you put God on something, you can convince people to do almost anything. Yeah, right. So it's like, oh, well, God is the ultimate authority. So I, I developed a um, theological framework as I was going through seminary, and I realized how much of my theology was utter bullshit. It was like, okay, so there's a lot of my theology that is just dead ass wrong but then there's an aspect of my spirituality that is real to me like and i can't deny that i can't deny the benefit that the church has had in my life i can't deny the fact that most mm -hmm. of my meaningful relationships in life were developed and nurtured in church and that I, there are there are life-giving relationships that i have because of the church so i was like okay is there any way to reconcile this uh, and in in my studies I, I landed on the greatest commandment in the Bible, which is like somebody asked Jesus trying to actually catch him up to in a, in a, in a lie. They asked him, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? And his response was the greatest commandment is love God with your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. And the second part is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say everything in the law and everything in the prophets hinges on these two. 
love God and love your neighbor as yourself, which suggests that they're on equal playing field. Love God, love neighbor itself. They right there on the same playing field because everything hinges on both of them. Love your neighbor as yourself doesn't hinge on love for God. Everything hinges on both of them. So the Greek word right there where it says a second one is like it. That word like in the Greek, it, it means of equal rank. Mm. Ah, yes. Okay, got you. Like right? It, like, okay, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're, they're equal, right? So, so what Jesus was basically saying, as I interpret it, is that your love for God is expressed through how you love your neighbor. And your love for your neighbor is a reflection of how you love yourself. And I get the most pushback from people when I talk about the importance of self-love. They were like, oh, no, you can't really? do that. You oh, can't, God. You loving yourself. Well, yeah. Okay. We're let, me ask, let me ask you this. So yeah. one of the things about spirituality that kind of clicked for me was that we're all derived from source energy, meaning that we all, you know, like God was within all of us like that the, the energy of the most has essentially kind of without within all of us right so to love yourself could technically could that be to love god and to love your neighbor Ooh. is to love god because we're all expressions of the divine mm-hmm. if you are a person of faith like mm. and, and if you take the ministry of Jesus seriously. A lot of people don't take the ministry of Jesus seriously because they've never actually encountered it for themselves. They've only encountered what their church told them about it. But if you take that seriously, then yes, the divine is in all of us. And and like what Eddie, Eddie said, you know, he's, he's an atheist. So I don't impose that on Eddie, but like, I believe based on my belief in the divine, I believe the divine that I believe in is also in Eddie. And it's, right. and it's one entire thing, which makes it because what what you were just saying, it sounds like you're you're pointing out that these two things are likened to one another because they are the same thing and that yes. they can't be in opposition, that you're not going to find situations where committing to God and committing to your wife, your brother, your friend, whatever, are in opposition because those things are one thing. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly. exactly. You wouldn't have to choose one over the other because to do good is to do good. You're not going to have to, you know, take money out of your, your, your child's college fund to give to the church type type shit. Right. Right. Exactly. And and and, and all that is rooted in, in the importance of loving yourself, which is something that church doesn't teach at all. Because you got to be you got to be taught to responsibly love yourself. Like when we come into this world, we're selfish. Babies are the most selfish creatures on the planet. Fuck everything. Babies, yeah. <laughs> everything revolves around them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right and we they don't were pay all bills they don't do nothing yeah nah. <laughs> yeah like when, when when a baby wants something they cry until they get it they don't care what you're doing i don't give a fuck you sleep you better get up yep. and give me this food right i'm not concerned about your rest diaper right? now come on so we come into the world like having a, a, a understanding beyond our comprehension because we can't even like really our brain isn't developed enough to retain any of that, but there's an instinct in us that says, I need this. I need somebody to provide it because I can't provide it for myself. So we have to teach little humans how to nurture that and say, okay, your needs are important. And you also want to pay attention to the needs of the people around you and do what you can to help the people around you in a way that doesn't harm you. Mm. But yeah, that's a complex that. dance to figure out. It's not. Yeah, we act like that's some normal shit that you just 
No, but it's like learning how to love yourself without being a fucking maniac and treating other people like shit and understanding that they going through the same kind of stuff as you. So you got to love them, love yourself, not turn into a complete people pleaser or, or a victim of somebody else, but be able to balance both is very, very complicated. So very. having a system no. to teach people about that is, yeah. Look, can I, very. let me ask, can, are you able to break down the difference between unconditional love and romantic love? My, my challenge there is I don't think they're opposed to each other. Mm. Like romantic love can be unconditional and then it might I not. Will, I will jump in and say that I don't think unconditional love exists outside of outside of yeah. parental outside of parental to child relationships. I don't think unconditional love exists. And I will take it a step further and say that I don't think unconditional love outside of parental to child love should exist. Your love should be conditional. Like your romantic love should have conditions that rest upon, you know, like if this if this doesn't get met, then I should move on and I should like you treat me wrong to those. I'm hopping out. Yeah. I, I one thing I will say is just I think that sometimes kids have more unconditional love for their parents than the other way around. But I yeah. agree with the should part. But I think that bond from a child to a parent, that that one is more hard pressed to to leave. Like even people who have a, a strained relationship with their parents, there's still that little love thing that I oh, want yeah. something or I want and I, that, that, that yeah. doesn't disappear. I think that's so, unconditional love that you can't let go of the need. And I will say that, you know, I've, I've been very open about my relationship with my mother on this podcast. And I will say like point blank, period my relationship with my mother is strained and i think that my sister's relationship with my mother should be completely fractured and it's not the thing that we all get constantly when we bring up complaints about how my mother like approached our like child rearing and all that kind of situation is that people say well she's your mother like you should just forgive her like oh no absolutely not very consistently so like i think that what you just said is like a is a very real thing that people internalize where like they think that like despite anything that your parents have done like where it's like oh well, like that you know, should your unconditionally love you yeah. should unconditionally love your yeah. mother you I'm should you forgive your mother yeah. you should like like be able to look yeah. past all this stuff <laughs> and so that resonated with me completely so i i, I, I completely can I, understand can I, that can point. yeah 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 because that actually oh, that yeah. tied to something that i saw you say but or actually maybe someone else but you know sorry go ahead yeah and i want to hear that in a second i want to raise this question though under what condition should you not love yourself Ooh. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, see, he didn't. He didn't. He yeah. flip the chessboard. He didn't. Oh, wait a second. You see what I'm saying? Wait a second. That's that. That's why so self unconditional love, love of core. self is one is probably one of the few forms of of un You know what? Actually, okay. Can I can I try and fuck it up and try and answer? <laughs> try and please try do. And give an yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do <laughs> it. That did sound holy, but let me let me try and fuck it. <laughs> that sounds. Can I should bring Satan into the room real quick? <laughs> <laughs> Come on in, bro. I I think that some because. Hmm. I think that sometimes the like treating yourself as your star player, treating yourself as someone to be loved, because I, I believe in self love, and like in like a, I've, I've talked no no no, and, and then I'll go into it. Like I know like not even on some arrogant shit. Like I've talked about viewing yourself as someone that you have to take care of, and I, yeah. that's how I approach a lot of stuff. And I think more people should, but at some point that's you got to look at yourself. That's, that's what I'm saying, and I think sometimes you got to go. Mm, no, nah, I'm kind of being a piece of shit. 
Like, and I don't know if maybe that means not loving yourself, but sometimes you got to go like, nah, I don't deserve to be viewed as right now as someone who's like cool, okay, fine, wor worthy of love in the same way that if somebody else, if somebody treats me like shit or if somebody's a bad person, I'm like, I, I can't give you the action of love right now because you're, you're, you're causing harm to other people. So if I... As a person, know I'm causing harm to others. I think once you make love to yourself completely unconditionally, it can it can make you struggle to to question your own bad behavior. And that's not a I, that's not a hundred percent pushback to what you said. Maybe it's just yeah. additional context. Yeah, I think it's additional context because I really believe holding yourself accountable is an expression of love for yourself. Love, yeah, because okay. yeah, you can never abandon yeah. yourself. That's the, you yeah, can't. The, You're gonna be everywhere you go. That, that's true. And one of the big things I just wanted to like. Call, call to attention is the definition of what I think you all have in your minds of the definition of unconditional love and what that looks like. And I think that might be different from Alvin's definition of unconditional love is probably different from mine. Just because okay. someone, just because like, I'm not, I'm not saying what, well, for me, unconditional love is not giving someone affection regardless of their own actions. You can still have love for somebody and completely remove yourself from their life. And giving somebody space is sometimes the ultimate expression of love because when you give a person space, that allows them to grow and flourish. So there's a lot of oh, there's a lot of ways in um in which unconditional love doesn't necessarily involve you actively forgiving somebody right there in that moment. It doesn't necessarily involve you giving liking them. Life. Yeah. yeah, having access to your life. Like, yeah. it's just, I wish this person no ill will. I hope the best for you. But this does not, this is not serving me. And I'm doing this out of love for myself and for you. Because nothing good is, could possibly come from the situation right now. I don't yeah. hate you. I have no hate, no ill will for you whatsoever. And I, I love you. But yeah. I want to dig, dig into that a little bit. Because I feel like that goes into conversations that I've had on social media in regards to submission, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of times people do this thing and I'm 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 I'm, I'm just going to say it where they do this thing where they warp the definitions of what things actually mean to fit their individual definitions of stuff when words do mean things. Right. Yeah. So like you have this you have this thing where like people are like, well, I don't mean submission to mean like, oh, I do whatever somebody says. I mean, that submission means like X, Y, Z in order to me. I'm like, oh, OK, cool. But like submission means something like words mean things. So I do think that like what you're saying, I think is valid. And I think what you're saying is actually extremely healthy. I think what you're saying is probably very much in line with like how I would probably view that thing in my life itself like i think me and you are very much aligned in how we view like what love should be um so i don't think we're we're at an impasse there but i do think that their unconditional means something right submission yeah. means yeah. something and i think that when we try to like subvert the meaning of what things are like we get away so much from what those words actually mean and it to to the point where like we could make things absolutely meaningless if we just say like oh i just have a personal definition of what everything yeah. means that feels a little bit uh so so i'm I'm very much like a uh descriptivist i guess when it comes to language and stuff like that i'm like sometimes words need to be subverted like sometimes you have to redefine which is fair go, here's here's which what is we fair mean, or here's what we need this thing to mean so i'm you know i i think and word and word meanings change and word meanings and word can meanings change, change based on context yeah drastically across time across and it's like 
So I'm like, if you, if this, what you mean by love or submission, then cool. Maybe we don't even have a disagreement. Uh, like I'm just concerned with the, with the idea. So we can pick another word. So we're talking about the same thing, but if for you submission means that thing, cool. I will say to your point, I think sometimes people, people are bullshitting. They're using a, they're using a word to invoke the traditional meaning. And when you call them on it, they use this other little secondary definition to me. Oh, but this is what it means to me. So they can get away with kind of having it both ways. And that I do disagree with. Um, and, I, and I think, and I think to that point, um, so I agree with you, but like me and Josh are basically locked up in like how we think like things should be like me and Josh are exactly. very much aligned, but so like, like the so word to your point, make yeah. a difference. Yeah. Well, it's just, just a, semantic. Semantic. just a yeah. quick, like little add on. Like I learned that concept from Eckhart Tolle in the power of now and just like other like books on spirituality. So I'm, you know, y'all knew me. I, I be I be butchering the shit that I be learning when I'm actually trying to express it on a live <laughs> on meant. a live platform. You feel yeah. me? But but yeah. So that yeah, uh, we're there, concept. man. We're 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 locked still. Yeah. Now what I want to ask you about is, so we talked about unconditional love. What about conditional fuck you? Because I think that's the thing that's that I'm <laughs> conditional to fuck out. you. Yeah. I'm yeah because because I'm not sure I agree with your like. I think sometimes it's like yo. No, I don't love you no more. I'm not loving you from a distance. I'm not, you know, you're in my heart, but we don't have access to me. And I don't, it's, no, it's, it's, it's a conditional fuck you. You've yeah, taken this yeah. set of actions in my life. And it's not just that you don't have physical access to me. You no longer have emotional access to my heart because you're not mm -hmm. a person who treated me right. And, you know, and I'm putting myself as the victim in this situation. But if somebody else tells me, yo, yo fuck you, I don't want you in my life either because of X, Y, Z reason. I'm not going, oh, well, you really love me from a distance. Maybe I'm, I fucked around, and I'm in an unconditional fuck you. I tend to think that's okay, but I'm curious what y'all think. I think it's I think it's fine. I just I think it's important for us to understand what basic assumptions do we bring to the concept of love, because mm. everybody has their own basic assumptions about what love is. Like going back to even the concept of forgiveness, right? That's that's mm. something that gets butchered a lot in religious spaces. Mm. So what I tried to do is create a working definition for people to process when they're thinking about what does forgiveness look like so i have i, I break down forgiveness into like three stages um and the first one is i mean you no harm right if i forgive you i mean you no harm that's like number that one no active desire to harm yeah yeah mm. and then and then the second part of forgiveness is i wish you no harm so not yeah. only am i gonna i'm not gonna try to actively get you I back learn but I'm that not gonna, one that's good. Yeah, that's I'm, good. That's these are these I two that are really good. Because I thought I was good when you said that first one. I was like, okay, cool. I'll do you no harm. And you said, right. I'll wish I'll you no harm. I was you like, ah. I got yeah. this, some more I forgiving. Still, I do. still want karma to hit your ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's really good. I wish you yeah. no harm. Yeah. Karma mm. going to do what it's going to do, but I'm not going to give it my energy waiting mm. for it to happen, taking my energy away from stuff that can bring me life and make me come alive. Mm. So I mean you no harm. I wish you no harm. And then here's the second. Here's the third part of it i refuse to be harmed by you any further bars man bars so hold on bars. hold on <laughs> bars i got the bars go. he gotta go call some people <laughs> right <laughs> so josh had so, to go attend to some business with that one <laughs> so in my definition of love and from like a, a universal perspective the first rule of love for me is do no harm hmm like because right. I'm a finite individual, I can't help everybody, but I can at least make a commitment to not harm anybody. Mm. So 
even if I excuse you from my life, which I have done on a number of occasions, particularly over the past couple of years, I didn't gave some people to boot out of my life. But right this way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I'm not going to be harmed by you any further, but I'm still making a commitment myself not to harm you, which is an expression of love because I have every right to harm you based on how you harm me. I got every right to beat your ass oh, based on how on. you harm me. Right. <laughs> but I'm choosing preaching. not to go that path. That's not to real go that <laughs> That's the <laughs> shotgun preaching. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah. No. Now. Okay. So this is a and this is a thing that i think everybody has probably dealt with and myself as well um reconciling that first part of forgiveness with that last part of forgiveness because i think sometimes there's this form of guilt tripping i've seen it in the church i've seen it in uh family structures i've seen it in relationships where they say that you no longer allowing me to harm they don't say it this way but what it when you break it down is what they're essentially saying you no longer allowing me to harm you harms me right and so therefore in order for you to not harm me you must allow me to continue harming you now obviously again it's not said like that it's usually in the form of like you know why don't you call your mother anymore you know she knows she, she misses you so much or mm. you know you got to forgive the pastor because obviously he's the word of god so what he did to you or what happened you know in the past you got to let that go because otherwise you're turning your back against god Th these kinds of things but what they're saying is you have to take on the pain otherwise you're hurting us yeah. So how do you and, reconcile that? And and that's the problem with teaching people how to love their neighbor without teaching them how to love themselves. Mm. Because if I teach you how to love your neighbor and don't teach you how to love yourself, I'm really just teaching you how to enable other people's mistreatment of you. True. True. Because if, if you don't have a base of self-love to know how to set your own boundaries, but I'm teaching you do for everybody else, put everybody else before you. Mm. That's just a setup for abuse and manipulation for others to take from you and and not give back yeah true because because it's 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 reinforced it's like pounded into us everybody before you everybody before you and i'm like that's some bullshit like jesus and and i'm, I'm saying this from the perspective of people who who um espouse that claiming to follow the way of jesus jesus felt self-love was so important that he didn't command it he assumed it mm. He said the greatest commandment is love God. So I'm gonna command you to love God. I'm also gonna command you to love your neighbor. And self-love is so important to that. I'm just gonna assume that you know it. So I'm gonna use it as the standard for how you love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. They didn't even need a definition, it's an axiom. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. a thing that other things are built on. Yeah. Base you, level Goku. You can't mm. give to somebody else what you don't have for yourself. Mm. I don't, Eddie, if you ask me for a million dollars and I wanted to give it to you, it wouldn't matter how much I want to give it to you if I ain't got it. <laughs> mm. I know. Yeah, okay, yeah, true. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the same thing with love. If I ain't got love for myself, how am I going to show it to you? How I'm am I going to truly care for show a human it to you? being like myself, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I got to understand how to honor my own desires, my own needs. I got to understand how to give grace to myself. I got to understand how to set boundaries with myself because the more intimate your relationship is with somebody, the more difficult it is to establish and maintain boundaries. And that generally starts with you. You are the most difficult person for you to set boundaries with because you know you be doing shit you ain't have no intention on doing. And you be like, damn it, I did it again. Why'd I let myself do that? Yeah. Exactly, because you broke the boundary that you had with yourself. If you can't keep boundaries with yourself,
it's going to be difficult to keep boundaries with other people. That's a yo. Going back to that thing that I was saying about self-love and treating yourself as if you're someone that you're, you know, supposed to take care of. I feel like the same thing goes with keeping mm. commitments to yourself and maintaining your own boundaries to yourself. Like if you make a promise to yourself, keep the fucking promise the same way you would mm. as if you if you made that promise to somebody that you loved. If you made a promise yeah, yeah. to your girlfriend, to your mother, to your son, how would you, you know, treat that? And if you promise to yourself, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to, you know, stretch in the morning, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to take care of myself and not, I'm not going to negative self-talk. That's as important yeah. as if you said it to any person that you love, don't break a promise to you. Don't break boundaries, you know, against yourself. I like, yeah, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And too frequently, our doctrine instills negative self-talk into people. So, and my wife talks about this a lot. She has a, a a support group on Facebook called Therapy and Theology, and she talks about it a lot in there about how the church will instill an inner critical voice and then tell you that's the voice of God. Mm. Oh, so God you walk, damn. you walking that's around doubting yourself. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really is. You talk, you walking around doubting yourself, and you getting these messages that cause you to doubt yourself more. And then you go to somebody who's in leadership in your faith tradition and ask them questions that they don't have the answers for. And then they just hit you with the can response of, well, lean not into your own understanding. Right. That, you know, you're supposed that's to gaslight. That's it, literally it, gaslight. That's spiritual gaslight. That's exactly gaslighting. what it is. That's your exactly brain don't work. We're going to tell you what to think. Yeah. We demonize the intuition. Mm. We demonize our intuition. It's an abusive relationship. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And when I discovered that, I was like, I, I can't perpetuate this shit. There's no way no. in the world. I can. So yeah. if I'm going to do ministry, I might have to be authentic to myself. And and when I chose to do that, that's that's when I got canceled because that's yeah. not a part of the business model. Yeah. So when I'm, you say I'm, canceled, what, was it the church? That canceled? Yeah. The like, from the church. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like I, I got. I was I had an itinerary for a, a period of time in my ministry, like I was traveling the country preaching. But in my in my faith tradition, you don't get praised for rethinking. You get praised for creatively regurgitating. Mm. So don't challenge us to think outside of the bounds of what we've been taught. Mm. Just regurgitate for us in the most creative way what we already believe right new beat same bars every day exactly yeah. so when i came out rethinking and reimagining it didn't fit into the business model it was bad for the brand and they were like you can't come back to my church so at that point it was like okay so if nobody in my faith tradition is going to accept me i'm just going to do this my way i'm going to just build my own platform I'm gonna just you can get a lot of support community. doing that, or will continue Absolutely. to do. So I know you've already got support, but it's a lot of people that will be hungry for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We we working on it. We working. I hope this like really resonates with a lot of people. Like you get even I think more. It does. Yeah. Like you know, you just yeah. Once again, all praise to you, man. Love the love what you're doing. I mean, I appreciate I that. I know time is is limited, but like, can I ask a real like? Can I ask like a real like theologian perspective on something okay he about to ask you yeah. he about to ask you I, alvin he'd be constructing some questions this 
Get ready. Stretch your back, bro. Should I be it's, afraid? It's, <laughs> Stretch yeah. your back. A little bit. A little bit. You should. <laughs> Let me relight my cigar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he's going to ask you some way. complicated shit. Well, according oh, to the doctrine shit. set forth in scriptures here. <laughs> and when you I, combine I, I swear, that with quantum physics. It's that. <laughs> yeah, it's all going to have some science shit in it. It's going to have economic policy in it. Go ahead. <laughs> I swear I'll it's not this. I'll tell you this, Alvin. I'm going to give you an honest answer. And if my honest answer is I don't know, that's exactly what the hell I'm gonna tell Here you. Here we so. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like honestly, if we could end it there, that probably is better for the pot. But um, <laughs> no, no. But so I, I I I do work in Kentucky in the Kentucky area, and in Wilmore, Kentucky, I've been very fascinated by what a lot of people are calling a revival in Wilmore, Kentucky. Like it's gotten it's gotten pretty like decent like traction from the the national media even. We've had like, you know, the New York Times has done a piece on it, you know, MSNBC has done a piece on it. So two things, and this is strictly from a theologian perspective that I that I really want to hear from it. One, can you really call something a revival while it's happening? It's something that I've been struggling with. Like as a person with a Christian background, can you really call something a, a revival while it's actually happening? Because it's my understanding that a revival has to happen over time. And then what are your thoughts on the fact that this has become like a TikTok phenomenon, like a social media phenomenon? Like it, it, it from from my perspective, it just doesn't feel organic. And I always have that like organic feel about it. Like I've went to certain stuff like in Wilmore, Kentucky about it. It just don't feel, it just don't really feel like it's in the tradition. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like there's no altar calls. It's just like people like coming to here, like filming videos and that kind of stuff. So I don't know if you're tracking to the situation, like what's going on. But it's been very fascinating to me, like that people are like this gung ho about calling this a revival and like what's really happening in the situation. So I think you can call something a revival while it's happening. I believe I'm in the midst of a revival myself as a faith leader. I think the work that we're doing is reviving people's connection to their spirituality in healthy ways. The question I would go back to is what exactly are you trying to revive? Right. And I think that's the question that has to be raised because I don't, I don't know about the revival going on in Kentucky, but that's what I want to know. What are y'all trying to revive? Are you trying to revive white Jesus because you feel like he's dying? What are you trying to revive? Are you trying to revive manipulative control over people's minds? What are you trying to revive? Right. And, and, and then we can start to really have a conversation about the validity in your endeavor. What are you trying to revive is the question. I'm trying to revive people's love for themselves. And many times it's not even revive. It's like I'm trying to introduce them to love for themselves. I'm trying to revive a, a healthy love for their neighbor because I believe that is the expression of love for God or the divine, however you refer the most high, the creator, father, God, mother, God, earth. I don't care how you refer to the divine, but like I believe however you refer to the divine, the way you love the divine is in how you love your neighbor as yourself. So the question has become, what exactly are we trying to revive? So usually when I hear revival in a church context, I'm turned off because like, what the hell are you trying to revive? Let's have that conversation. Yeah, it's giving mega vibes a little bit. Absolutely. It's like this. Uh, G he gets us campaign. 
don't know if y'all saw them commercials, them ads in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. No, where they're trying that? to like they're trying to re rebrand evangelical Jesus. Right. So they're they're trying to play this centrist uh, position of like, you know, like there's good people on both sides. But but in matters of oppression and in, in, in matters of justice, yeah, halfway point is is just half wrong. Like, yeah, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So it's like what there, there is such a significant movement of people who are leaving the church. Twelve hundred people a day on average leave the church. 1200 pastors per month leave the ministry and not because they're retiring a lot of them are just changing career paths Mm -hmm. so this is this is happening and and instead of the evangelical church getting down to the root cause of the issue which is bullshit theology and they're just trying to to be better they just rebrand they just rebrand they just rebrand oh look everybody let's just come to middle and you know kumbaya God loves us all. Let's not try to repair any of the no harm that's been done. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's just all come together and just start from here. No, there's been some damage done to people, and we need to make that right before we move forward. Mm. No, that's hey, preach. Like I tell you right now, if you're in a position where you are are seeking faith or you're a religious person and the faith that's being offered to you requires questioning your your intuition and second guessing your thinking mind. You might be seeing a red flag and in the same yep. way if your ministry practice requires exclusion and control in order to get people to participate you might be the one who's waving a red flag there's been waving a red flag podcast it's been eddie josh alvin it's been pastor christian a smith where can the people find you what's the handles let them know what you got going yeah. on absolutely thank you so much um <clears throat> you can find me on TikTok and instagram at the christian a smith and if you want to connect with the digital community, just go to holysmokesmovement.com. From there, you can check out the podcast, which is actually like very similar to what we're doing here. It's a conversation amongst friends. Mm-hmm. So we do that on the Holy Smoke Cigars and Spirituality Podcast, where we deconstruct harmful theology and build beloved community one cigar at a time. We have a, a Facebook group. We got a Patreon community. So just go to holysmokesmovement.com and just explore from there and see if it fits. But yeah, that's uh that's the way to get connected with me. Let's do it. Let's do it. And look, for our listeners, thanks for tuning into this. Thanks for engaging in this. And uh look, like, subscribe, join the Patreon if you want to get bonus content, if you want to uh you know, join us on live with our guests as well to, you know, talk, chop it up, etc. And as I've told those of you who are on the Patreon and on the Discord, when we get to 100 patrons, we're going to have a little something special for y'all on this uh on this podcast, so See if you can get some friends to join. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's the pod. That's the cop pod. the merch. Cop the merch. We got the great. We got the gray. Uh, I was about to say we got the gray sweatpants. Uh, from, the gray sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> we got the broccoli print. <laughs> we got a and half sweatpants. God damn it. We definitely need to get some sweat. Need to get sweatpants on the uh, on the merch site. But we got hey. the, we got the gray hoodie right now. Nope, you know, we got gorgeous the gray model. sweatshirt. We got the gray. Oh, should I say? What did I say? It's a, it's a crew neck sweatshirt. Oh, gotcha. This gotcha, motherfucker. Gotcha, okay. like, you was almost flawless, Eddie. You was almost flawless, and then you started like fucking up at the end, bro. Hey, like I was hey, going, I was going to praise you. I was going to tell you that this is one of the right, best ones. Right back to ones. full circle, man. I'm Niggas ain't human, perfect, man. <laughs> I, we're not perfect. I'm the, any any podcaster to tell you he's perfect is is Joe Budden. So that's you know that's <laughs> not that, that's, mm. that's not what we want to aspire to. <laughs>
All right, that's it, folks. We'll see y'all next week. Peace, 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 peace. Thank <laughs> you.